You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. A few weeks ago, uh... Listener suggested that maybe we could have more succinct questions and answers on this show. That sometimes people, when they record their questions, they tend to go on and on. They repeat themselves. We do our best to edit the questions down a little bit. We always can't uh, edit them down to perhaps the most succinct version of that possible question. I'm not being very succinct right now either, am I? And so my answers sometimes tend to be long and digressive. And and a, a listener suggested that we do a show where we cut people off at a minute that they had a minute to ask the question, and I would have one minute to answer. Maybe we could uh, you know, actually move through a lot more questions on a show like that. So here's we're going to do this. It's an experiment. We're experimenting. God, it's alive. Here on the Savage Lovecast today, it is the One Minute Wonder show, where the questions are all a minute or less, and the answers will all be a minute or less, and we are going to time me, and there's going to be an alarm when I reach a minute and the tech savvy at risk youth are going to cut me off when my answers reach a minute. So here we go. Uh, the one minute or less show after this. This podcast is brought to you by audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals for a free audiobook of your choice. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 25-year-old gay male, and I'm calling uh, with a question. Uh, my boyfriend and I have uh, been together a few months, and we're still kind of new to anal sex, and we've been trying, um, you know, lots of different positions to find out what we like best. And I'm a little, I don't know, concerned, curious, because there's one position we both like. It's a pretty basic one, I guess, um, where we're facing each other. Um, but... Each time that we've done that position, um, the condom has broken. And whenever we've done other positions, that's never happened. And, you know, we're using water-based lube. Um, so I was just wondering if you knew maybe why that would be happening or what we could do. Um, I'm not overly concerned, but it is obviously kind of concerning. Okay, here's the thing. When you put a condom on your dick uh, and you shove a dick in, in his ass, uh, you know, dicks have different angles and asses have different sort of pressure points. And, you know, with his ass bearing down on your dick and your dick having a certain angle, it's going to put perhaps a lot of pressure on one particular spot on the condom depending on, you know, the, the hardness of your dick, the angle of penetration in that particular position. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure being brought to bear on that particular part of the condom, uh, and it's causing it to break. Your options, I only have 36 left. Your options here are to not have anal sex in that position or get female condoms, which are made out of polyurethane. You can use uh, oil-based lubricants with them. And so when you want to have sex in that position that you both enjoy, opt for a female condom. And when you have anal sex in other positions, uh, opt for male condoms, which are cheaper and uh, easier to come by and in. Done. Hi, Dan. I'm shooting for the under minute show. So here I go. I like cum. More specifically, I like my cum covering my girlfriend. So how do I get bigger, better, harder, faster, stronger, more abundant loads? 
You really sure you want harder loads if you're going to be blowing them on your girlfriend's face? You don't want to injure the poor thing or put her eye out. Look, uh, your load is your load, and you can drink more fluids. If you're not getting enough fluids, uh, drink more fluids. But it's really not going to have that much of an impact on uh, the amount of your ejaculate. That really is sort of controlled by physiological baselines, by your cowper's gland, by your prostate, and they make what they make, and they produce what they produce. Uh, guys will often, if you know the, the arousal period is extended and longer, uh, that may increase to a minimum degree uh, the amount of ejaculate. But you're not going to go from you know gushing a half a tablespoon to gushing a quart or anything with any sort of magical elixir or pills they're selling on late night television or advice from some faggot who has 10 seconds to spare. I'm done answering this question and I have six, five. I I don't know what to do with myself. I have so much time. Oh, out of time. Hello, Dan. This is Dave, 47-year-old gay guy. I used to come buckets when I was younger and I noticed that over time that has decreased. And I was wondering if that is a function of age or if there's anything that I can do about it because, well, I liked it. The sad irony is that while there's nothing you can do to increase the amount of your ejaculate, there is something you can do to decrease the amount of your ejaculate, and that is age. That was your first mistake. Men, as they age, as they move into their 40s and 50s, tend to produce less ejaculate by volume than they did uh, when they were younger and spryer and all their ejaculate uh, producing glands were firing on all cylinders. So what can you do about it? Not a lot. Get a lot of fluids in your diet and be satisfied that you're still having orgasms and don't feel too bad. Don't feel too remorseful that they're not quite as uh, powerful or gushy uh, as they were in your youth. Um, Just be glad you're still having them. Blah, blah, blah. 14 seconds per. Next question. Let's go. Hi, Dan. My boyfriend is really depressed and he refuses to seek professional help. Um, I can't be his counselor anymore. Do you have any ideas? You can break up with him. That's what you can do. Uh, if he's depressed and refuses to get professional help, uh, there's not a lot left that you can do there. And it sounds like you're done with this relationship, particularly if you've been sort of forced into this counselor role. You're a crutch uh, that he's using to avoid his issues and avoid getting the help that he needs from a more appropriate person like a counselor or a therapist. Uh, and so your work there is done. Go and, and go with a clean conscience. Often uh, for a depressed person you know, who has a partner, the partner feels like I can't leave this person while they're depressed. And that actually creates a disincentive for the depressed person to get help. If they sense that you are going to leave them once they're on their two feet, what reason do they have to get up on their two feet? Uh, sometimes the best thing you can do for someone in that situation is to do what you know you need to do, what you want to do, and go. And maybe then uh, that person will get the help that that person needs or – Perhaps not, but ultimately that's not your responsibility. Out of time. Hi, Dan. This is Cassie from Montana. I love your show, and I'm calling because one of my really close friends, um, I found out through the grapevine and through current boyfriends that um, they're having problems getting it up because she fails to uh, clean it up down there. And... I think the bush is a little out of control, and I don't know how to tell her or suggest it because she's really shy talking about that stuff, but I just want to let her know, and any advice you can have would be great. Thanks. Bye. How are you privy to this information about your girlfriend's bush, for crying out loud? How do you know that she's letting her hair grow and that's preventing her 
boyfriend from getting erections. If she's shy talking about this shit, how did you find out about it? Is it on her boyfriend's Facebook page or something? This doesn't concern you. I can't think of anything that concerns you less, perhaps besides my boyfriend's bush and its condition. Back the fuck out. I don't even need 30 seconds for this one. We're done. Leave it the fuck alone. It's none of your fucking business. It doesn't concern you. What kind of a friendship is this? Where you're monitoring the size of her bush and its impact on her boyfriend's erections. And if you know all of this about her, how is it that you can't talk to her about this? How did you find out about this if you couldn't talk to her about any of this? How shy can someone be whose friends are familiar, intimately familiar with the condition of her bush? I have to go lie down now with the last five seconds that I have here to spare. Hey, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old straight female living in Maryland, um, and I am blessed with HSV2, otherwise known as general herpes. Um, and I always get a little freaked out about dating and, and telling somebody and when I should tell somebody and when I shouldn't tell somebody and then how to handle their rejection when somebody doesn't want to date someone and take that risk with me. Um, but of course, you know, I always give them the chance to take that risk with me. I was just curious to know, um, what sort of online dating sites there are out there for people who have, um, sexually transmitted infections such as, um, the blessed genital herpes, um, they're not really advertised on television like some of the, you know, other ones like eHarmony and Match.com. So I was curious to see what was out there and maybe what your viewers thought were some of the better ones. I, too, was curious after listening to your question uh, about what online dating options were out there for people with herpes. So here's what I did. It's my super top secret method for finding these things out. I Google dating and herpes, and I encourage you to do the same. Uh, I'm not familiar with these sites, but if there's anybody out there listening who is, who has some experience with having herpes, which is, as the nice lady from Planned Parenthood who we're going to have back has said on this show, not that big a fucking deal, and has done some online dating and might have some advice for this caller and wants to give us a call and fill us in on all the details, we will play your responses on a future show. Next question. I'm a 67-year-old man who's regularly taken to be 50 to 55. I'm five. Seven. I work out two to five times a week. I have typical male pattern baldness. I haven't had sex in seven years, which is... I don't know how to go about doing this. I mean, I live in Chicago. I've heard about restaurants, the upscale restaurants by the, quote, Viagra Triangle, where you can allegedly pick up a sex worker. Yeah, I don't want to get caught in a police sting operation or I want to get some kind of disease. Um, so how do you go about doing this stuff? Here's how I understand Chicago's Viagra Triangle works. Uh, men your age go to these bars and they hang out and they look like they have money and they throw a little bit of money around and pretty girls sidle up to them and the assumption is that the pretty girl isn't interested in you for your body. She's interested in you for other things you bring to the table that are legit uh, just as you are interested in her primarily for the things she brings to the mattress. And then you take it from there and – Beyond that, I don't really know how the uh, hetero hooker pickup scene works in Chicago or anywhere else. I would advise you, though, 
uh, you know, to, to accept that anytime you're engaged in an illegal activity, hiring a prostitute, that there's some risk of arrest or prosecution. Look what happened to Elliot Spitzer and some risk of sexually transmitted infection. But if I had a choice between assuming the risk of a sexually transmitted infection or never having sex ever again or not having had sex for the last seven years, I would go with the risk of sexually transmitted infection mitigated by uh, the use of condoms. Ah, oh, we're out of time. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is The One Minute Millionaire, The Enlightened Way to Wealth by Mark Victor Hansen and Robert G. Allen, narrated by the author's 12 hours and 20 minutes long. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. This is Yvonne calling from Brooklyn, New York. My question is, I've completely broken the trust, and I snooped around on my boyfriend's email and G-chat and found out that he's been having a chat relationship with this, I guess, old girlfriend for the last years that we've been dating the entire time. And it's really been troubling to me because it feels like it's an emotional cheating relationship, even though he's with me and has moved in with me. I don't see the problem. He's chit-chatting with his ex. Uh, you, I'm sure you would have mentioned if you'd uncovered anything in these chats as you were snooping that they were planning to fuck or talking about fucking or romancing each other. It sounds like he just has a friendly chit-chatty relationship with an ex. That shouldn't be a problem. And if he has a friendly chit-chatty relationship with an ex and there's nothing inappropriate or flirty in those emails that you saw, uh, that speaks well to his character and his ability to be a grown-up after a relationship is over and maintain some sort of friendly uh, relationship with appropriate boundaries. And you should chill the fuck out and stop snooping. Hi, Dan. I'm calling on behalf of a friend who's 23, and she recently moved to a new city and found a family on Craigslist who was subletting a bedroom, and she moved in with them. Within a couple weeks, she started to develop a relationship with the husband, and the wife was okay with this. So they've been living in an open relationship all together under one roof for a couple of months, and things are going very well. Um, The question comes in with my friend's family coming to visit her and hoping to meet the family that she's been living with and talking about for the past couple months but her family doesn't know anything about her relationship with the husband. Should she blatantly lie or hide the fact that she's in this open relationship with the husband? Um, Should she clue them in as to what's going on? She knows that her family's probably going to be uncomfortable with this. So what's the best approach to take in this situation? It's only been eight weeks. Uh, I do believe that people who are in open relationships should, you know, eventually be open with their families, but... At eight weeks, you know, this could come to an end. She may never have to, you know, terrorize or confront her family with this information. Maybe if she got to – her family got to meet this couple uh, without knowing exactly what's going on when, you know, it's six months in or a year in and your friend wants to open up about her family – your friend wants to open up to her family about the open relationship that she's in with this family, uh, they'll have a better, you know, feeling for who they are and feel more comfortable uh, having gotten to know uh, this guy and his wife a little bit before they knew the full story. There are times you need to run your family on a need-to-know basis. Open relationship at 23 with a married couple eight weeks in, I don't think her family needs to know quite yet. Hey, Dan. How do I get my boyfriend to fuck my ass? I love it. He's never done it. Thank you. Bye. Douche it, grease it, stick it in the air. Hi, Dan. 
Uh, my boyfriend and I have an etiquette question. We received this note from our neighbor who lives downstairs from us, and it's, it's just so very polite. It reads, to whom it may concern, I don't mean to be in your personal business, but I can hear you when you are in your groove thing, and it's embarrassing to my uncle and I. This is not something we wish to hear every day. We can hear everything from creaking of the bed to the moans and the sounds that, of, that come from above. If you could keep it down, that would be appreciated. Sincerely, neighbors downstairs. And we were just wondering, how do we respond to this? We don't want to be bad neighbors, but we aren't interested in, any, in fucking any less frequently or any less vigorously. Um, we, were, we were debating just making them a batch of cookies and leaving that at their back door with a note that says, I'm very sorry. But we were wondering what you suggested as a response. Um, again, we don't want to be bad neighbors, but what do we do? I endorsed the basket of cookies. I would also tuck into the basket of cookies the original Broadway cast recording of Avenue Q and you should draw a little highlight or a little note pointing to the song. You can be as loud as the hell you want when you're making love. And perhaps you should also you know, get a copy of the original Broadway cast recording for yourself and just blast that song at top volume the next time you and your boyfriend are fucking in your apartment, which you have a right to do, and, and let that number you know, mask the, you know, particular sounds of your lovemaking that are annoying your downstairs neighbors. Uh, that's what I would recommend. Hi, Dan. My name is Kat from the Midwest, and I've been sexually active for a number of years. I've had, I've had my fair share of sex. And recently, I've been seeing this one guy, in addition to having way more orgasms than I've ever had before, some of them, some of them just don't don't stop. I mean, is that, you know, I can't really keep track because I lose track of everything, but he says they last for, you know, longer than, than a minute or so. And so I guess, I guess my question, you know, I've never heard of that happening and it's never happened to me before. And so my question is, is, you know, is this normal? Should I, should I speak help for this? Because thus far, my only explanation has been that he might be an alien from outer space. So, please just let me know if this is normal. It sounds suspiciously like your boyfriend is working on you during this call, like you're on the verge of one of those minute-long orgasms or actually in the throes of one. This is what we call not a problem. Uh, your orgasmic and something about his technique or your connection or uh, you know your age, maybe you're hitting your sexual peak – is improving the quality and you know upping the duration of your orgasms. Don't ask why. Just enjoy and don't call my show to brag. And please don't record questions for the podcast while you're having sex. It makes the sex-negative, tech-savvy, at-risk youth uncomfortable. Hey, Dan. I'm a 17-year-old lesbian calling from Texas. Uh, my question involves this girl I've been seeing and the age difference. She's 28 and she has a six-month-old baby. I just want your input. Things have been going great. But, like, in all of her arguments, she calls me an immature child. And I just wanted you to put some input on whether or not she is too old for me. You may be immature. You're not a child. You may be a minor. You might want to check the uh, age of consent laws where you're at. Uh, I would tell you to relax. You know, the odds that you're going to be with over the long haul, your first serious girlfriend that you met when you were 17 years old, are really, really slim. Uh, and uh, again, you may be just as immature 
as your girlfriend tells you that you are. I would need some examples. But what you need to do is relax. You need to say to her, when you tell me I'm immature, that really bothers me if I'm so young and I'm young and immature. Uh, what does it say about you that you at 28 are dating me? Uh, so even if you believe that I'm immature, even if I'm acting immature, please uh, don't push that button. It fucking annoys me to say that to her and reconcile yourself, you know, accept the fact that you're going to learn what you learn from this relationship and you're going to move on from this relationship. So don't get too invested uh, in preserving this for the long haul. Oh my God, we're done. Hey Dan, I am a 25 year old white, extremely kinky gay male. I'm wondering what is the tactful way to tell your black boyfriend that you want him to be the slave in some master slave power play? There's no really tactful way to tell anybody you want them to be your sex slave in a BDSM situation. Uh, there's sexy ways to say it, and if you have the impression that he's, you know, as kinky as you are, uh, and if you've like exposed some of your kinks to him, then you should just like roll it out uh, with some sensitivity and tact, because this could. Push a button for him, just like the immature thing pushes a button for the 17-year-old lesbian, the previous caller. Uh, and you should really roll it out with tact. Uh, and some, you know, apologies along the way. Say, this is going to be a really dicey, weird conversation because of the history of slavery and all these things. And, you know, so long as you make it clear to him that you're not objectifying him necessarily because of his race, see where it goes. You know, there are African Americans out there who are turned on by just that kind of play because – it's taboo, and you should no more assume that he wouldn't be into this uh, because of his race than you should assume that he would be into it because of his race. You should just be honest about your turn-ons and your kicks and your interest in him, and I'm out of time. Hi, Dan. I've got a one-minute question for you. So when we're having sex, my boyfriend really likes it if I talk about having sex with other girls. Um, it really turns him on, and I like girls, so it turns me on. It's great all around. Um, the thing is, he really um, prefers it if I talk specifically about friends of ours, and we're not actually interested in bringing any of these girls into our bedroom for real, um, and so it's really unlikely that they're ever going to actually find out about this for any reason, but I still feel kind of weird about involving people that we know in our sex lives, even indirectly, so what do you think? Is it weird or wrong for us to be um, bringing actual people that we know into our bedroom fantasies? Thanks. Bye. You can fantasize during sex about anyone that you care to, whether you know them personally or not. Every one of us who leaves the house risks being cast in someone's masturbatory fantasies, whether we consent to being involved in their fantasies or not. You can't control who's jerking off about you, who's talking about you with their partner during sex, who's thinking about you at inappropriate moments, and you shouldn't stress out about it as the subject of a fantasy, and you shouldn't stress out about it as the haver of a particular fantasy. So keep doing what you're doing and enjoy. Hi, Mr. Savage. This is one for your quickie show. So beyond all the very basic needs of food, air, water, democratic control of the Senate and House, is there anything more important than really, really good sex? And if so, what is it? Intimacy. You can have all the great sex in the world with a cast of thousands, and if you lack love and intimacy and that sort of satisfaction, which is often stirred into sex but not always stirred into sex, uh, you're really going to blow a big hole in your life. So I would say intimacy and oxygen in that order. I'm a 23-year-old straight female, and I am still a virgin. 
I never meant for this to happen and have been seeking to be sexually active all throughout high school and college, but to no avail. I'm really friendly, outgoing, and I'm super comfortable with my body, but I have no clue why the guys I like aren't attracted to me. Now, in frustration, I've made a number of really stupid decisions. One, I've exposed myself on chat roulette, and two, I've begun a fuck buddy relationship with a guy on Skype, who I met on chat roulette. He says he wants to fuck in real life, and I really like him and would love to fuck him too, but I don't even know his last name. Should I do it? I know I'm being a desperate psycho bitch, but I just can't wait to, be, to lose my virginity so I can move on and be GGG and have tons of fun with the next guy who wants to put it in me. Please, Dan, give me a pep talk or slap me upside the head and tell me I'm a moron. People meet in all sorts of sleazy, skeezy ways. You should totally bone this dude or allow this dude to bone you, but you have to tell him that to have access to your body in person, which he wants, he's going to have to provide you with a real name, a real phone number, let you know what he does for a living. You're going to have to meet in public during the day when you can't fuck uh, immediately after the meeting so that you can get a sense for what he's like in person and how he seems in person and how he smells in person and whether you can trust him and you have to use your best judgment. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. You found a guy. You have some rapport with him online. Now the the test is to figure out if you have the same sort of rapport face-to-face. And if you do and you still want to, do it. Be safe. Wear condoms. Uh, let somebody know where you're at, who you're with, and have his real contact info. Otherwise, fucking fuck his fucking brains out right fucking now. Time's a-wasting. Hey, Dan. Uh, my name's Rob. I'm from New York. Um uh, I've been together with my wife now for uh, eight years, seven of which have been married years. And uh, everything is a GGG except for one thing. She refuses to stick her finger up my butt. When we, would, uh, when we were first dating, she would do this all the time. And she won't do it anymore. And she won't give me a good reason why. So I told her that I was going to call you and that you would give her, I was going to give her uh, your, you, her phone number and you would give her a good talking to. So uh, please do so. Got your wife on the phone, but she didn't want to come on the, sh- the air and, and talk about it. I-, I was curious when I got her on the phone why she stopped putting a finger up your butt, thinking, you know, maybe there was a traumatic incident that she wasn't opening up to you about. Maybe she stuck a finger up your butt once and got a bunch of fecal matter under her fingernail and was so grossed out that she couldn't do it anymore. But it sounds like she's just kind of bored. And so what I would urge you both to do is reconnect and really have a talk about where your married sex life is going and how you can kick it up to the next level and how you can reincorporate some of the things that have fallen by the wayside and what new and interesting things you can explore together uh, to re-energize your sex life. Sounds like she's willing to put a finger up your butt, though. Uh, You just have to ask, and I urged her to uh, put two or three at once up your butt because if one finger is good, a whole fist is awesome. Good luck. Hi, Dan. I have a question. I have been invited to be a part of a three-way with four separate occasions, four separate couples. I partook in one, and it was uh, logistically confusing, but otherwise quite fun. And the other times, I have been interested in the female, but not the male, not for a billion dollars. So I'm wondering if there is an etiquette to explaining uh, your gentleman is 
delightful for you. I'm glad you're happy, but I don't want him anywhere near me. Um, can I lick icing off your boob? Um, something, I don't know. I've, I need, uh, the, I need some advice. Thank you. When a couple hits on you, you can say anything in return. You can say yes. You can say no. You can give them a qualified yes, which is what you're suggesting. A qualified yes would be, hey, uh, yeah, I would totally be into you. It sounds like in all the cases where you've been hit on by a couple, it's been the girl that approached you. Be totally into messing around with you, not so into your husband or boyfriend. And then they can come back with, well, can he watch? They may come back with, that's okay. He just wants to hear about it afterwards or you know be in the next room and listen to our moans and groans under the door and then you can decide you know if they return with can he watch if they return with you know can he can i take pictures on my cell phone and show them later then you can uh decide whether that's what you're up for but you shouldn't be shy or inhibited about what you're interested in at that moment when they've expressed that colossal interest in you they want to fuck you they've served you return the serve, I want to fuck you, singular, not him. They say yes, you win. If they say no, you win. Hi, Dan. I'm calling because I just listened to the podcast featuring the Pakistani man in the Middle East. As you might guess from my pronunciation of Pakistan, um, I'm actually of Pakistani descent. And additionally, I am a defector from the religion of Islam, so I was born Muslim, but I no longer am. And as it turns out in Islam, it's actually okay for men to fuck as many women as they want, as long as that woman is their slave or isn't a Muslim. So basically, it is true. His religion really is. He can do whatever he wants, and women don't necessarily deserve anything. Um... Which, you know, most Muslims won't tell you, but it's right there. You know, as long as a man owns a woman via slavery or she's not a Muslim, he can call her his concubine and fuck the shit out of her and not suffer any consequences. And, in fact, that leads into the point I'm going to make. Men like that do tend to sort of view Western women or westernized women in some cases as this sort of sex doll that they can fuck the shit out of But when it comes time for them to get married, they want some extremely pure girl from, quote-unquote, back home. So this is fairly typical behavior. The fact that he doesn't care about her pleasure does not surprise me because he's using her as a wet hole in order to get his rocks off until he decides he wants to get married and then he's going to marry some 18-year-old virgin at age 30 after he's had sex with a million people. You know, there's nothing wrong with having sex, obviously, but there is a double standard at play here. So, yeah, um, he didn't make up that religion. That religion is called true Islam that Muslims won't tell you about. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm just calling about episode 233, where the guy's uh, wife was really hot and kinky until they got married and then everything stopped. Um, I was just going to say, I think I think that uh, this is a problem for a lot of women, and um, the problem might not be so much that men are exposed to porn and they expect too much. I think the the real problem is a lot more women need a lot more sexual freedom than we give them. And um, I'm just calling because I was that woman. And I think that uh, there's something that happens to a lot of women where husbands just aren't that sexy. Um, there's something really sexy about kind of like being someone's whore almost. Um, so maybe that's what 
what was going on with her. Maybe he should try treating her like a whore a little bit more. Uh, in the bedroom, of course. And uh, see how that goes for him. Hi, my name is Jason. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon, about the young man from episode 230 whose boyfriend's parents are trying to cure his lover of his gayness. I came out to my parents when Ronald Reagan was president around the time of Bowers versus Hardwick. You can look it up if you want. My mom and dad thought they were doing me a favor by sending me to a doctor to get cured. Uh, there was no It Gets Better project back then. Um, I wish there was. So I went back in the closet, waited a long time, came out when I went away to college. It went better the second time, and I, it took my parents a little time, but not only did they learn to accept me as I was, but they became powerful advocates and activists. They marched in parades and debated bigots at schools and on TV, people like Lon Maybon, who you can also look up. And my mom even became regional president of PFLAG. So part of what pushed them into such strong activism was their horrible guilt over how badly they had treated me when I came out as a teenager. They knew that they almost killed me with their fear and their ignorance, but they turned that into a burning desire to slap some sense into other parents and stop them from making the same mistakes they had made. So hang in there, young man, you and your friend. And if you want to put your friend's parents in touch with my mom, I'm sure she'd be happy to come out of retirement and kick her shoe all the way up their asses in her sweet little old lady way. All right, we're going to leave it there. Thanks so much, everybody, for your calls and your responses. 206-201-2720 is the number. If you want to record a question or a comment for a future show, let us know what you thought about the One Minute Wonder Show and whether we should uh, try this little experiment again sometime in the future. 206-201-2720, that's the number. Me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.